Well, Eric, we're back yet again with a Friday episode and following episode 69. The big 6-9, man. That was a lot of fun to record, Tyler, but I'm super, super excited about this one. We have an amazing, amazing guest, our my dear friend, Rachel. Rachel, how are you today? <laughs> 69. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Uh, I was going to say, did you drop yet or should you switch it with this one? That would be hilarious. Uh, hello. It should be a Hi, double. Tyler, how are you? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, worries. Thank you. I love the energy. This is great. Ra- Rachel's a party, man. She's a party in a person. It's, just, it's, it's insane, man. She's, she's a ton of fun. I'm so happy that, that we were able to make the schedules work because you're, yeah. you're a busy, busy person. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I mean, like anybody, anybody that lives in this fucking city and especially lives alone and uh, is busy all the time, like you just really can't stop. So yes, it's really hard for me to have time, but you are an old friend and I'm a huge, huge, huge supporter of anything that you are endeavoring on. So I'm stoked to be here. Thank you so much. I love that. Uh, Can I ask you a question just not related to anything only because I just came back from New York? Yes. How do you do groceries? Like, where's the grocery stores? How do you get groceries uh, to your house? So some people, like, I have, like, one of those little pushy carts that, like, people assume, like, just elderly people use. But, like, everyone here uses them. But I don't use it because I live on a fourth floor walk-up. I get oh, my shit. groceries. Ugh. Well, I also don't really buy groceries, right? Like, I work in the restaurant industry, so I get to eat at work, typically. And then I just take, like, extras from work and I eat at home. But I get a meal delivery service done. So I get, like, seven prepaid meals made by a chef delivered to my – this sounds really bougie now that I'm saying outside. (laughs) I thought it was less – like, I thought it was, like, shittier than getting groceries. But actually, this sounds really shitty. But I get them delivered (laughs) uh, on Thursdays. I eat one a day for dinner. And then, like, for the rest of the day, I eat at work because I spend most of my days at work. Got it. Got it. I was just so curious about that only because, you know, we're, we're in California and every corner has a Ralph's Albertsons, whatever it may be. And I when I was in New York so much, I miss like just being able to get in the car and go to a Sprouts. No, normally we're going to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or like, I don't know. I don't want to say like, fuck it. Amazon Fresh is literally the only thing like us grown ups use. Fuck <laughs> 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 like It's really fucking easy. It's yeah. Like, have a crazy schedule. Like I'm getting off of work at two in the morning. Like I can't go grocery shopping. Afterwards. Yeah. I'm obviously sleeping in, so I'm not going to the grocery store before work. So I just get my shit delivered. It's, it's really interesting. I would die if I moved anywhere else, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this episode that we have Rachel on, it's a two part episode. Uh, part one is going to be, I want to be an adult performer. Part two will be, I want to be a sommelier. So there's a lot of ground to cover here. Um, Tyler, do you want to get us started? Do you want to just hit it, hit Rachel with the first question? Uh, sure. Uh, how did you get into the business of adult performing? Adult performing. Um, so I had already done like dancing and things. I was a bartender at a strip club in like some town in North Jersey. And I started dancing, which I thought was interesting. But then I was like, this isn't really for me. So then I started waitressing, which led to bartending. And then I don't know what sparked my fascination with porn, but I was like, this seems like a really interesting thing. Like I was really fascinated by the women. Like, I mean, down the road, lo and behold, down the road, I come out of the closet, but this is very new Rachel. Like I'm in my early twenties. Right. And I'm married to a man. It's all very confusing. 
Um, but I'm like, fuck it. Like, this seems really interesting. I'm super bored. I want to do something fun. I've always been very much of an exhibitionist, you know, like sexually. I've always wanted to have sex outside or sex where people could, like, see me if it was possible, like, in cars and things. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, you know, in windows where you can see it. Like, that's always been a really interesting, like, kink of mine. So I was really fascinated that these women were going on, like, the internet literally where it's not deletable and you, it will live on forever and everybody, you know, will know about it and they were how they were handling it. So then I literally just tweeted browsers and I was like, yo, I want to do this. And they were like, okay. So they flew me to Miami <laughs> and I did some like amateur shoots and that's kind of where the gritty part of the industry really lives. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. I had some interesting experiences and some not great ones, but I really was treating it like a job, not like something I wanted to do for money. I had no idea how much money these like people were making. I was just like, I want to do this because it seems fun. Um, and then since I stuck with it and I kept shooting, I eventually found an agent and then I kind of just went from there and I had to relocate to L.A. So my uh, my partner at the time and I headed to L.A. and I moved there and it just became a career for like five years. Do you so you're doing it for five years? Do, do you remember your very first porn shoot? Uh, I yes, I do. I remember my first two because they were back to back and they were in the same house. Um, the first one I was wearing a pink top, and the second one I was wearing overalls because the bit was I was like painting my apartment, and my landlord came to get my rent money, which is very funny because my landlord is looking for her rent money today. The <laughs> <laughs> pink overalls. Similar situation that I would be in, and now it's not like real life because I would fuck her to get my rent paid this month, but. I can't. So this is just where it kind of really breaks your standards of what real life is, is I can't fuck my landlord now and to get my rent paid. It's very upsetting. So that was my first and my second one. You need to find a new building. I do. <laughs> Maybe. But I'm, I told you I'm on a fourth floor walk up in Brooklyn, so I'm not going fucking anywhere until I move to Spain. Yeah. How yeah. did you uh, – how did the first – I'm sorry, Eric. I just – I want to – Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go You're feeling it, man. Go for it. <laughs> How, I mean, were, did it feel natural, your first shoot? Or were you nervous, oh my anxious? God, yeah, it was fucking great. I wasn't, oh, you know what? Yes, because I met this girl. Fuck, what was her name? She was, I think it started with an A. She was this blonde bombshell. She was, uh, I think she was younger than me, probably 20 or 19. She was fucking amazing. She was so sweet. She, I, she had come down with me because she had found the same agent as me. And she really kind of helped me through it. I had gotten so scared. Uh, because I had gotten my period the day before the shoot. And I was like, how do you shoot porn on your period? And she gave me like what you actually do and your tips and tricks and things like that. And it was so amazing to have her kind of coach me through it, even though she was younger than me, um, which is really, really interesting. And that kind of made me feel more comfortable. But if you're talking about when the cameras start rolling and there's a dick in you, like it was so natural. Like I was just like, this is mm. fucking awesome. Like look at the camera, like do everything you would normally do. But like, look, like it was very, I don't know. It just felt very natural for me. It was very exciting that I was making something that I knew someone on the other end would be enjoying. And it was really mm. hot. It was really cool. But it's, it's, a, it is a room full of people though, right? It's, it's, oh, I mean, we only see two people. Dude, there's like the director, there's the photographer, like, 
like there's other performers if other performers are going to jump in it's like it's not like you're alone at all like and it's a lot of work too because i'm not thinking about anything except okay how many like minutes am i on here when can i switch the next position am i in a good camera angle like do my toes look okay? Is my ass okay? Like, am I arching properly? <laughs> like, am I not making a double chin? Like, while well, you're trying to do that while in reverse cowgirl backwards, like, you out of your fucking mind? It's literally, <laughs> like, doing gymnastics, like, and acting at the same time. It's really tiring. <laughs> and shoots start at, like, 8 in the morning. Like, people think you, like, film porn. It's, like, you do a line of coke and you walk into a retro building and you fuck a girl for two hours. Like, no. Like, it starts at 8 a.m. with hair and makeup and then you shoot for hours. And then depending on how long it is, it could be days long or it could just be, like, 12 hours that you're doing a shoot. Wow. Days long? Yeah, like, feature films take days. I was on set for three days once. Oh, Okay. I, I I was assuming it was like one scene it was like days like holy shit. No, you know like those funny shits like uh you know like those the parodies, parodies they do. Yeah. Oh, I it was really funny. I did like some action movie parody. It was funny. <laughs> what what is what does a normal shooting day look like? What? What does a normal shooting day look like? Like you know you're gonna re- record tomorrow. So what what happens tomorrow? Oh my god. Well, if I was recording tomorrow, I would hope it wasn't an anal scene because I. I'm champagne right now, and champagne is not good for the day before an anal scene. So why? Because you should just be drinking water and like just eating something really like light and you know just something comfortable for your belly, not like bubbles and you know a fucking bowl of salsa with a spoon today because I'm broke, you know. So, so you down, if you down that bottle of champagne right now and did an anal scene tomorrow, what would happen? I mean, I think I'd be fine because I'm a psychopath because one time I did, a, I went, flew to Mexico to do my Ole for anal video, which is the only video <laughs> I own in my house that I am in because it's the funniest fucking name ever. And it was the funnest game. <laughs> and I drank the water in Mexico and ate tacos for three days and was able to shoot all anal oh my God. with no prep. And it was you great. Didn't, you didn't blow out the bag. No. And even if I did, fuck it. We were having fun. I've been shit on before. You know, it happens. You didn't backfire. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been, I was fucking some guy one time, and he shit all over me. And it was totally fine. Like it happens. On per, like, was it supposed to happen, or no, was that a surprise? No, no, it was a surprise. It was an accident. You know, we all have accidents. Got it. Right. So, so a shooting day. So tomorrow you'd be going, and then what would happen? I would probably wake up at seven in the morning. I would okay. shower and make sure everything, whatever I want, shaved is shaved, and then I would call an uber at a set where i would drive if i was still in california and 8 a.m would probably be call time i would wait for the makeup artist you get hair and makeup done you figure out your wardrobe with the wardrobe person or the or the director or you just pick your own depending on what you're shooting um you always have to have this like go suitcase ready with all your outfits and possible things that you can supply that uh the director doesn't and then you Go over the scene. If you have lines, you have to have your lines. You go over those in makeup. So if you get them early enough, you can start memorizing them. Um, You go over everything with the director. You meet with your fellow talent for that day. And you go over your forms and your yeses and no lists and your consent forms and things like that. And then you do, you get into your wardrobe, you do still shots. So for girls, or we do our still shots of just us. Like if you're wearing lingerie, you're wearing lingerie, then slowly in the photo stills, like the lingerie comes off. 
and then you do stills of the sex. So we are we are already like fucking, and before we even get into filming, we just get like stills of each position. So usually it's like four reverse cowgirl, four regular cowgirl, four missionary, and four doggy. And then like if you want to spice things up, you can. Um, <laughs> it sounds very formulated now, but it does. It's like, yeah. It's like the chemistry that's super exciting because once you meet who you're with and especially if you're working with other other talent that like you've already worked with before and you know like what their fucking shit is and like how to look at them or how to treat them in bed like then it's super fun because like you already know that you're gonna fuck each other super fun on camera so it's kind of like de-stressing in that way um kind of like you know if like you share the same lunch with someone at the office and like you really like the same foods it's kind of like that i guess but you're fucking them instead uh, interesting way to put it. Yeah, it's like another day at the office. Um, and then you do the scene, which, I mean, it takes a while depending on if there's like a lot of dialogue or not a lot of dialogue. Usually you do dialogue first um, because you're going to get your hair and makeup all fucked up when you fuck. Um, and then finally you get to the scene, which if you have really good chemistry, you can, I mean, shoot a whole scene with doing no cuts, which is really fun. And that's when like you're super into it. Um, and then if there are some cuts, especially if it's like a difficult scene, if it's like a super, like I've had to do some cuts when it was a super crazy, like huge anal scene. And like my, like, I just couldn't take it. So you need to take like an hour to like, just relax. You can do that. Um, and yeah, if you need breaks, you need breaks. So it depends on what you can perform as a performer. And then you wrap it up. Some super hardcore scenes will have you do an outro interview. So they see that like you're fine and they weren't trying to murder you. Um, <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. It's super nice. I mean, they're enjoyable to watch, I guess, to just know that the person did enjoy it. I was always super like giddy after mine. Like kink.com is known for that because they do super hardcore scenes. So they'll have them do an outro where it's like, haha, I know he was like, cattle prodding me but i'm fine and i loved it you know like that was, <laughs> that was me and it was super fun uh holy shit it was, a, they, it was a real cattle prod it was like yeah i mean it's one of those like i don't know it's like an electroshock thing it looks like a triangle um yeah yeah holy cow you're a tough yeah. one. Oh yeah i've done some weird shit it's fucking awesome <laughs> Can I ask you, you, you brought up um, consent and, and lists of yeses and no's. When you're going to film, do they do you know ahead of time we're going to be shooting A, B, and C, and D? Or do you go and kind of freestyle it? Or how does that work? No, you never ever freestyle it. So before, I mean, it, it really starts from like the beginning of your career, right? You kind of set a tone for what you want to do. And this is kind of, it falls into different spots. Like especially me being alternative and tattooed, I knew that my trajectory successfully would be super hardcore stuff, which worked out because I like to do super hardcore stuff because it was fun. Um, so you kind of figure out what your consent is in that term, because like if you look really, really young and you have blonde hair and blue eyes, like you don't want to start off like doing really hardcore scenes or even doing like anal scenes or anything like that because you the sense of purity is very coveted in the industry. You're a school girl, yeah. Yeah, it's very coveted because, you know, men naturally gravitate towards that because men are not like a lot of men who consume porn uh, have natural pedophilic tendencies, which is super creepy but fuck it, if you're a woman and you look like that, monetize on it uh, because in the industry if you get a tattoo, some people say that it's really difficult to get a job. So it's either you have zero or you have a bunch. So I was in this weird middle ground where everyone kept telling me I couldn't get work because I was tattooed. So 
when you're a tattoo performer, you have different, like you may change your boundaries because of what kind of jobs you're able to get, which I did do, which I was fine with because the crazy stuff was super, super interesting. And even my last scene, I was like, we're going to do the craziest shit I've done. And it was super fun. But anyway, that changes your boundaries, but your boundaries are discussed with your manager, who your manager then discusses it with the director. So you know if you're going into a BDSM scene, you know if it's a boy girl or a girl girl or a gangbang or an anal, like you know all of that. Um, and then when you get there, you go over things with your fellow talent, right? So you get together and you go over your yeses and noes. So like my specific, I don't really have many yeses or noes, but I don't like being hit on the bottom of my feet, like in an abuse scene, because sometimes they'll do that. They'll like hit, they'll like hit the bottom of your feet, like with a cane. That's like a huge trigger for me. And then anything religious used to be a really huge trigger for me, but now that I'm kind of conquered my religious Catholic upbringing trauma, I think religious porn is the funniest shit ever. And I, <laughs> if I was in the industry, I would definitely do some fucking nun shit. It would be so funny. Okay. And then, and then as far as like consent laws, how, how does that work as, as a performer? So you go, I mean, you have to sign a bunch of paperwork. So you go over really in-depth paperwork about like what, like you have to sign. I mean, I would say my paperwork, paperwork, I forgot in the timeline, paperwork starts before anything else. It starts before makeup. Um, and you just sit there and you fill out all these forms and you always have your license and your passport on you, like in your pocket for every shoot, because you need to fill out all this legal information that you're consenting to this and that you're consenting to filming and every single photo and every single snapshot and every single thing. Um, and then just as a personal thing, you sit down with the director, with the talent, and you go into an in-depth discussion of, um, what you do consent to and what your safe words are um, and how to stop the scene, especially if you're doing things where you can't um, speak. Like if you have a gag in your mouth, you go over your mm -hmm. hand signals of how to stop the scene immediately. And I tested them out before, like when I've done some super hardcore ones where I'm like tied up and I literally couldn't move even if I wanted to. And if you do the hand signal, these like the reputable companies will get you out of that rig so fucking quick and then pick you up like a Disney princess, wrap you in a robe and <laughs> escort you to a bathtub. I shit you not. It's the wow. ever. But what about it? Like a more shady one that uh, do they just do they just run through it and pretend they didn't see you do a hand signal or a oh, wink yeah. or something? Fuck yeah! One time this fucking company, I was like, "Don't hit me on the bottom of my feet." That's my one thing. And we were doing a really hardcore scene, and it was in Florida, where all the fucking shady people are. And the first five seconds, once they yell action, he hits the bottom of my feet with a cane. Are you kidding me? And I did my signal and I was like, get me out of this, get me out. Of and I was like, give me my check. I'm leaving. I took my money and I left. I told my manager, my manager fucking flipped out on them. Never worked with them again. So there are Jeez. some shady people, you know, there's people who are like, yeah, I'm shooting a boy girl, you know, for whatever thousand dollars come to this hotel and make hair and makeup, you know, not art won't be there, you know? And when you're immature and you realize that this guy just, swindled you and essentially made you a hooker for a thousand bucks you know mm -hmm. saying that he was a producer that happens and that did happen to me but i don't care because i got a thousand dollars yeah um is, is it dangerous i mean is it is it scary that industry and dangerous i mean everything is dangerous but like you just have to i mean as long as you have um, having a mentor is nice and if you don't have one like you just need to find reputable management you know women-owned management is super important um 
there's a couple of women-owned managements or at least partners of managements that are women. Having that is important. Um, moving somewhere where you're comfortable, either living by yourself or if you do go to a model house like I did, like just know the people you're with and know your boundaries. But I mean, it's an industry that makes a fuck ton of money very quickly is surrounded by sex and like it's LA. So, and there's money, so there's drugs everywhere. So I mean, it Mm -hmm. could be dangerous, but you just have to be careful. I mean, it was some of the safest and I mean, I wouldn't say tamest years of my life, but I don't think it was the job that did that to me. That was just me being in my early 20s and having money burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> How, uh, I mean, from the extreme hardcore stuff to, I guess, what's like the regular boy-girl call? Is it just boy-girl? Yeah, just boy-girl, BJ. Like what? Like how much would you make, like on average, between those two? Or in between? Um, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just going to say that they make, like, I would say yearly. I mean, obviously over six figures. So you're making okay. an amount of money, depending on, like, I mean, it's a good question because there is, like, I will say there is a drastic difference between boy-girl and girl-girl. Um, that's kind of a, like, common misconception that you get, like, one certain rate for a bunch of things. Like, at least hardcore stuff, you, like the pay range, I will say like girl, girl, you're getting paid. They're solo. You're getting paid the least, right? That's like a masturbation. So solo is the least. Then girl, girl is the next. And then boy, girl would be like the standard pay. And then boy, boy, girl, like a double penetration. That would be even more money. Anal would be more. Double anal would be more than those two. Gang bang would be more than all of that. And then like Double anal, double vag, gangbang is like the most. I don't know. Like, Jeez. The crazier it gets, the more, the more it pays. And then if it's a feature film, you get more for that. Like, it's like there's a bunch of stuff, but that's kind of the pay scale of like least to most paid. If you're established uh, already, like, you know, like Hollywood actors or whatever have like a fee already, or like their standard fee, do are, are performers like that as well? Do they have a set yeah, fee after a while? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, especially when I started working with Spiegler, who is like in the industry was known as, or is still known, um, well, was known as like the best in the industry. Um, you already have an established rate, right? And especially if you are someone like, you know, Asa Akira or Joanna Angel, like those well-known names who are so severely established, anything they do is going to cost way more than like someone who's been doing it a bit shorter um so you can have an established rate but you have to have a manager that will fight for that for you and still like push for you to get booked for certain shoots you know um so it really does come down to having a really good manager and i was really blessed that both of my managers really kind of fought for me um so i was able to have a really good career so uh you don't you don't have to answer this but i just wanted to ask do you do you own any of the intellectual property like do you get residuals on things like that no i wish i wouldn't be rent right now guys no i don't get anything that's the really amazing thing about sex workers finally you know utilizing the internet you know i don't i mean only fans kind of sucks because they take so much from you but these women who you know riley reed and those and joanna like these women who started websites before like having your own website as a sex worker was a huge thing are really like kendra lust and them like all these women were so fucking brilliant because now they have established websites with video content 
that's coming out that they're just releasing that they're getting paid for. It's I was like, this is so much work. Why are they doing this? And now I realize they were absolute geniuses because pioneers. Every every sex worker kind of they want to have a website because OnlyFans. Yeah, I use it because it's convenient for me because I have like other like I don't have time to continuously have like be on a website and be able to do that with my current job. And also like, it's just kind of convenient payment wise for me and tax wise. But if I had a career out of it, I mean, having a website is amazing. So no, I don't mm. own any of the content, but now like I'm very specific that any content that I do make, it's strictly for me in my pocket and no one can see it unless they subscribe to my OnlyFans. That's the best. You kind of, you kind Mark of dipped into my next question. Snapchat. Like, I don't know. It's a toss up. What, I'm sorry, what about Snapchat? I said and they won't see it unless they subscribe to my OnlyFans or I get drunk and go on Snapchat. So it's a top. Uh, oh, got it. Um, you, you kind of dipped into my next question. I wanted to ask you as 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 a adult performer uh, in, the, in the world of, you know, not, not currently, but even in the past, what do you think about uh, OnlyFans? How do you feel about that? Uh, I think what that celebrity bitch did was real fucked up. Um, I don't remember what the whole fiasco was, but I just remember that what she did was fucked up and I spray painted over her face on the subway. Beautiful. Um, but <laughs> besides that, like, I mean, it's, I think, look, I'm a little, I don't want to admit it, but I do kind of want to admit it because I want to be a woman who supports women who I do. But it's kind of like I got so much shit. Like I was disowned by my family for by my father for a year when he found out I was a porn star. And like there was so much hatred, like so many death threats and so much. And I'm not saying I would wish this on anyone, but I'm like, why was it like that, you know, maybe five years ago? And now fucking OnlyFans is trendy and like everybody gets one. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a... I mean, I should just be happy. I really just think it's my ego, like, being upset that I had to go through it and, like, someone else, you know, isn't understanding, like, how serious it is and isn't taking it seriously. I don't really know. It's just a little – I guess I'm a little bitter, which I can admit. I guess everyone has their faults. I, I, can, pretty, I can understand that. I'm pretty bitter yeah. that it was, like – it's kind of like high school all over again, right? You get bullied and beat up and, like, high school really sucks and then you get out of high school and you have a fucking glow up and you're like, oh, shit, like – Everything's really awesome. I wish someone <laughs> would have told me this sooner. And now yeah. like, I get beat up for like, you know, get all this shit and get these death threats. Like my dad like says, you're not my daughter. Like some bullshit until he starts like coming around to his senses again and being like, oh, wait, it's like, you're fine. You're not a crazy person. I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> and now like OnlyFans is like on fucking CNN. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Like... Also, it kind of just flooded the market. So now even as like, even if you're a sex worker off the books or anything, you know, it kind of flooded the market. So now you're like, fuck, like now everyone's coming into the, now everyone's going to want to be a hoe and it's going to deplete our money. It was <laughs> when everyone hated us. <laughs> um, can I ask you? Opening a brothel in the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> you did it before it was cool, man. Putting us out of uh, business. <laughs> How do you how do you handle fans and and being recognized? Oh, that shit don't happen anymore. Um, most of my fans are online that still contact me. Sometimes I get some like actual physical fan mail, which is super sweet. But that's only from like certain people who have like my mailing address. Um, there's only been a few like a few times where it's like inconvenienced me, which is like one time at a security line at an airport, which is super funny because he came all the way back through security and hugged me. It was like, excuse me, it's a champagne. I'm burping everywhere. Um, 
uh, he came over and hugged me and he was like, can I take a picture with you? And he, and I was like, okay. And then he walked away and this lady behind me, I mean, she looked like a nice Midwestern 50 year old. She looked so sweet. She looked like she had a sign that said live, live laugh, love in her kitchen, her white barnyard kitchen. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, I'm looking at you and I just can't figure it out. Can you just tell me who you are? Because oh, no. I don't tell my kids when I get back. You oh, know, no. Oh, beautiful. And I was like, I was like, oh, you don't recognize me? <laughs> She's like, no. And I go, you wouldn't recognize me unless you watch a lot of porn. And she goes, and she has like that little like trying to be socially acceptable, like breakdown robot like white woman moment where it's like oh my god i can't say something fucked up but like i can't process the information this woman <laughs> told me and she goes oh oh you know what i'm gonna ask my sons they might know oh my god yes <laughs> i nearly pissed myself i was laughing so hard <laughs> so bad for her, but she handled it so well she was like oh don't worry they're they're older and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> i was like thank you uh so so at events like um is it what is it called tyler the avian ABN. Yeah. Um, that's like when the CES is happening, right? It's it's right then. That's when what's happening? The the consumer electronics show when it's in Vegas and they have like the the side by side conventions. Is it the AVN? Is that is that when it is? Yeah, it's AVN. Uh, and funny enough, the last time I went to AVN, they were also having a rifle convention right next nice. door. Nice. And I got into an Uber pool with a man from the rifle show, and he was very nice. <laughs> that that's good. They could have went sideways. Um, that's, that's when they have meet and greets and stuff, right? At the AVNs. Yeah, they have meet and greets. Um, those are fun. You can make a lot of money with those. You get to meet fans, which is super fun. Like meeting your female fans is super exciting. Like that's like the top, like cherry on top of being a performer is really meeting like your female fans in person that came there to support you and the other, you know, performers. Um, that's really fucking cool. And of course, like meeting all fans and doing autographs and stuff, um, are interesting it's it's how, have you been proposed to and and gotten weird weird questions and weird requests before i've gotten weird questions and weird requests or like just requests to like like go to their hotel or whatever like i've got people who get too handsy but like i don't know i feel like i'm pretty defensive enough to where people never really tried to take advantage of me um i mean from my fan standpoint, like people in power did. And like, that does happen. But like my fans have just either been like really fun or just really, they just root for me. Like, especially the ones that followed me outside of the industry and followed me into my career in the wine industry. Um, some of them just really are interested in my life and root for me. So that's awesome. Those are the ones that are, you know, people are like, oh, like, why do you like, I, I don't think I, I'm not an influencer. I don't get money for doing the shit I do on social media, but I don't know. I do have people that care what's going on. So I think it's, I think it's fair to just post once in a while about it, which I think is nice because they're super cool people and they're always going through some shit and they usually make me feel good when I feel shitty by just sending like a DM or something. And then like, I make them feel good when, you know, I do something that they can also do when they see me doing it. So it's kind of a nice relationship I have with the people that actually still are here kind of following me. That's awesome. Um, can I ask you just about the industry in general? Cause this is a question a lot of people have. They're, they're tested more than anyone else, right? Like how often were they testing people? Uh, every seven days. 
Jeez. Holy shit. So Jeez. it depends. Like every, I mean, when I was in the industry, I think it was every every thirteen days. Like by the fourteenth day, you had to have a new test. But some, like I started to go like once a week because it just made me more comfortable. Because I mean, if you shoot seven days a week, you shoot seven scenes a week. You're sleeping with, I mean, if it's a gangbang, let's say you do a gangbang three times a week, like that's fifteen people you're sleeping with. Like, so I would get tested once a week. Um, and only one time did I get an STD. And I did give it to my ex-husband, which is kind of funny now that I think about it. I know it sounds fucked up. I know it sounds fucked up. But, um, you know, I said what I said. It was kind of funny. But we both. All right. There's, like, this doctor in the industry that, like, you just go to. And, like, he's super comfortable with performers. Because it's really difficult to go to doctors as a sex worker. Um, because they tend to really stigmatize you, especially if you're trying to do whether it's get birth control or do something having to do with contraception or anything like that. Um, so you just go to this really sweet doctor and he was just known for being the nice porn doctor and he would just give you your gonorrhea meds and you take them for two weeks and it's gone. That's a- so, so what are they, are they giving you a blood test and a, like a full physical and is that yeah, what it is? Like essentially you go in, you get your blood drawn, you take a pee test. Um, and then they just go over like how you're feeling and things like that. How is I mean, it getting your blood drawn once a everyone week? Everyone should be doing this. Like normal human beings who like the normal human beings who like date or like hook up should be doing this like minimum every time they hook up with someone. Absolutely. Mm. Like, That's responsible. Right. Like, I don't know. I said that to someone once and they were like, every person and i'm like well if you're doing like a marathon no like shoot them out one day every day and at, on sunday go get tested but like if you sleep with someone one month and you sleep with someone new like you should get tested before you sleep with that new person of course mm. that's yeah. responsible yeah um for a while here they were pitching especially in california that they were wanted everyone to be with condoms do you think condoms are good or bad for the industry oh, god you know what they're great for fucking normal sex and keeping people safe. Um, but uh, for porn, like, it's not necessary. First of all, most of the shit is getting pulled out and put on someone's body part anyway or face or some shit. Mm. Um, also, they just – I don't know. I like, I like art. I'm an artist. I like photography. I just feel like condoms kind of ruin the aesthetic of the very natural, like, photos and things of – a dick in a vagina. Um, so aesthetically, I don't like it. I don't really watch dick vagina porn um, unless it's two gay guys, which in which condoms don't really bother me either way. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of a toss up. Like I shoot, I shot scenes with condoms, which is fine. They're irritating because they get in the way while shooting. But besides <laughs> that, I didn't like feel. It just felt like fucking condoms. I don't know. I don't really like fucking guys that much. So condoms are kind of a non-issue for me. Okay. Um, can you can you tell us just some of the funniest things that have happened? Like, I can imagine a blooper reel filming would be just hilarious in this type of industry. Um. Well, I was telling you about the gentleman who shit on me once, which was really funny. Um, <laughs> Cause I was fucking him and then he shit on me, which was fine. Like no one, I've shit on people too. One time I was doing some shoot where they were putting like Twizzlers in my ass or something. And, um, the director was like, let's put water in your ass and have you try and like squirt as if you're like squirting, but out of your ass. I was like, okay, whatever. I guess I could see where you're going, but this is a really dark masturbation hole we're going down, but I'm here. I'm with it. (laughs) 
so we did that but then like instead of water coming out at first like a bunch of shit just come out and he like swerved out of the way like and he was super quick with it so he like i feel like he had done this before so he felt safer um and then we got a really cool shoe of just really clear beautiful water coming out of my ass which is fucking a cool shot you know that's some of the shit you wish you could put on your resume but then you can't you know <laughs> but it was fucking amazing. It was such a beautiful shot. Like, just it looked like it was just a starfish, like having fun in the ocean. It was great. Um, I don't know. And then one oh, time, you could I, hope for. yeah, one time I had one of my slaves, like, I stuck a, a feather duster up his ass and I had him dust the floor, like, doing the walk of the crab, which was really funny. Uh-huh. Uh, anything with my <laughs> slaves I liked, right? Like, you guys aren't going to like this, but like, cigarette, like, there was this one slave I would put my cigarettes out in his mouth on his tongue and burn him. Ooh, yeah. Geez. That's not a blooper, but he would jizz from it. It was crazy. Oh my what? God. He would? Yeah. He, th- I would never do anything to anyone that they weren't getting off on. Like, that's the whole point of that conversation you have before the scene, right? Like, you don't work with slaves who don't enjoy being slaves. So, like, when you do super hardcore scenes like that, or, like, you know, like, the heel ball stepping, or, like, you put your heel on someone's balls, those mm. dudes love that shit. Oh, my God. Aren't you scared to do it, though? Like, No, because as long as you have communication with your sub, you're fine. You know, you have, okay. like, that conversation before set is so fucking important, because that's how you create the vibe for everything. And also, like, you can cut whenever you want to cut. Like, cut is your word as a performer to use. The director uses it if he has to or if they have to. But cut is your word, and you can say it whenever you want. And that's, like, very well known, especially when you're working for the better industries and the better companies in Los Angeles. And what's the – uh, go ahead, Ted. Oh, no, I was just – just as an aside to that, is there a, a proper safe word or gesture for a heel-to-ball scene? A heel to false No. There like, does isn't. he just yell cut or stop or whatever? I mean, yeah, you yell cut, stop. If they can't speak because they have a gag, I mean, usually it's like you have your hands open and you flash your hands open and close, like in a fist and like wide open, like a like a star. <clears throat> that would be like stop. Um, but I'm telling you, these dudes, I couldn't fucking believe it. They were so strong and they loved that shit. It blew my mind. I was very scared. My first couple of Dom scenes, I like cried afterwards because i was like i can't believe i hurt that guy I <laughs> him until he bled and then like oh my I, god like the guy came over and he talked to me and he was like mistress thank you so much and i was like what, <laughs> what the fuck and then like when i started realizing i was giving like these subs what they wanted i got like that big dom feel and i was like oh this, i've been dominant my whole life i just didn't know it and now I like when I swapped from being such a submissive person in bed to being super fucking dominant because I realized that like subs are enjoying it. And because I think because I had been in so many sexually abusive relationships, like personally, that I had believed that dominant sexual relationships were always an abuse situation, but it's actually a really gorgeous trust uh relationship between someone who tends to be more dominant someone who tends to be more submissive and it's really so fucking romantic as long as you're both really intelligent consenting adults that understand you know what the relationship is but Mm -hmm. it's super fun those guys fucking love it what you don't want to get your ball stepped on not right now (laughs) no Um, so on the, on that note too, then is, does having chemistry matter when you're on set? Have you ever been, um, with a talent and you're like, I'm, I'm not feeling it, but th- we're going to do it anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, not often. Like I really tried to like, so 
one of my rules when I worked was I never hung out with talent. I never was friends with them. I never like I went to the events and the things I had to do, but I never got really close to anyone. So everyone was just a coworker. So I knew like who I really loved working with, who I was fine working with. And there were very few people I didn't want to or didn't like working with um, physically. And the only people that I didn't like working with were just because I didn't like them as people. Um, mm. But also, like when you have a regular job, you still go in and you still work. Uh, yeah, like that. Like even if Susan and marketing is a fucking cunt, like you're still gonna go to work. Like you're not gonna lose. <laughs> so I still have to work on treatment, even though it's a bitch. You know. Right. Um, which. But how, how would you get into the mood though? How do you get into character? I mean, you're a performer, right? Like you need to make it work. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm into it either way, right? Because when it gets down to making it, I'm not thinking about the fact, not just the fact I'm fucking this person. This is why, again, the conversation for a shoot is the most important. I really make sure that we're on the same page that me and this person are fucking to make the best content. Like, I feel like this is something that gets lost a lot when people think about shooting porn where it's like, oh, like you're shooting it and you're like fucking like there's you have to always remember that it's about it's about the content and that's the most important thing. Like you're not thinking about anything but the content. Like, so when, even if you don't really like someone, it's kind of like, okay, we know the moves to switch into. We know the sounds to make, like we know the vibe, like we know what to do, even though it's, we are not really into each other. So, I mean, if you're good at fucking, you can just fuck on command, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, before we switch into the second part of this segment, Tyler, did you have any other uh, questions? No, I, I'm honestly fascinated by all of this. I know I could I could hear it for another five hours. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to bring okay, up just I'm before not boring? you're the most no. interesting person we've ever had on. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask is you you are a big advocate and and just that's goes across the board with so many different things. Is there anything in the adult performer world that you really want to hammer down to people and just let them know? anything in particular, anything you stand for, what you would like the industry to do differently, anything, anything you want to say on it? Mental health, 100%. Uh, this is across the board in my life, but in the adult industry, we have lost many, too many men and women um, in the entertainment industry, whether it be the adult side or the, you know, safer work side. Um, so it's super, super important to realize that as a performer, you're constantly putting your heart and soul into whether it be scenes or works or creations. And it's constantly draining because you have all these other people around you sucking all of the creative energy from you. Um, on top of being a sex worker, you throw that into the mix. You know, now you're getting bullied and death threats and things like that. So... I just think it's super important for any, especially woman trying to be in the industry or kind of trying to find a voice in the adult industry is you need to take care of yourself first before anybody else. And uh, mm -hmm. watch out for yourself because you're the only one that's going to be there when you die is all I have to say. That's the truth. Amen. I just want to ask you one last thing and then we'll uh, um, go into the second part of it. Just one last thing I wanted to ask you about just as far as, as empowerment for women and things like that. People that think that, that it's, you know, any kind of degrading or any kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard people saying all kinds of things. What, what do you say as far as it being a choice and it, it being um, just, just a conscious thing that people decide to do or consent to do? Uh, any person, whether it be a woman or a dude that calls the industry degrading, I mean, it's just funny. 
because I mean, I that was a comfy couple years that I was in that industry. So degrading seems a bit silly when you're kind of living out the best years of your life and doing things and traveling things and enjoying things that you otherwise would have never had if you didn't have the, you know, confidence to really go out there and be a performer. So degrading is just so silly. Um, the strength that it really takes to go out there and put yourself out there and have everybody see every inch of you and think that this is who you are. And then, you know, I don't know, the really difficult intricacies of the industry, all the mental and physical things that it takes, even the physical requirements to like keep the body that you have for five years straight. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. You know, people saying that the job is degrading. It's just, I don't know. Uh, I do feel like most people's actions are projections of themselves. So I feel like people who say porn or porn performers are degrading themselves feel that they're degrading themselves by watching porn. So they just have an unhealthy relationship with sex and porn and they're just projecting it onto every single thing that they can project it on. So they don't have to look at themselves and their relationship with sex, but. Amen. Amen. Beautifully worded. So I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> beautifully worded now let's skip over to the fun stuff you're you're a professional sommelier you have champagne in front of you tell us about what, what are you drinking right now what do you have uh right <laughs> oh my god oh my god down the wrong hole it's happened every time it's not covid it's just my new bong um <laughs> right now i have a glucon in front of me uh honestly i ordered this from grubhub because grubhub uh sorry i didn't order this from grubhub and it's not because paypal doesn't know that my bank account is negative right now that is not why i ordered from grubhub um but (laughs) i did order it from grubhub with paypal for some other precarious reason that uh i guess they all know now fuck paypal's gonna shut me down No, so I ordered this uh, because I am celebrating something that I am not allowed to say what it is yet, but anybody that follows me on social media will know what it is in a few in a few weeks. Uh, but I'm celebrating, so I ordered some champagne. Uh, so it's kind of just a basic champagne. It's a brute, which means it's dry. It's getting me tipsy, so that's kind of the point. Um, and it's a great pairing with my sativa. Beautiful. Oh, perfect. All right. So how did you become a sommelier? That's such a hard word to say and spell. It took me so long to spell this right. I love correcting people on it. Only my family. I love, let me correct that. I love correcting my mother on it for some reason. How does she say it? (laughs) I don't, she says, I think she says sommelier, which is what I used to say. Um, Sommelier? Yeah, but I say every time I'm like sommelier, yes. Um, Because it has made me a bit of a bitch, even though I came into the industry being like, I'm going to make this not pretentious. And now I'm like, it's sommelier. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. You have to lift your pinky when you say it. Yeah, I'm like, it's sommelier. Um, Here's your (laughs) wine. No. Um, How did I do it? I have been working. I mean, even before porn, I worked in the restaurant industry. Uh, I was a girl cook. I was a porter. I worked my way up to a server, a bartender, a maitre d'. Eventually, uh, a polisher at a fine dining restaurant. From that fine dining restaurant, I branched off into becoming a captain or a back server and then a captain because, you know, in fancy places, they've got a, like, weird tier system of how many okay. people take care of a table. Um, the captain being the highest position on the floor um, besides, you know, bartenders, managers. Those are different departments. Um, so then I became a captain. After becoming a captain, I became an expediter, which is the one who calls out the tickets to the kitchen. And I worked in a really amazing restaurant in Los Angeles called Gwen. And anyone that's in LA needs to fucking go there. Um, One of the best fucking steaks you're ever going to have in your life. 
Mm. Very ballsy to have a steak spot like that in the middle of Los Angeles. So um, it was also one of the best companies to work for. But I met a woman named Fahara who worked there um, and we became friends. And eventually I started getting really into wine because she was the head sommelier and the beverage director. And essentially I was her seller rat, which means I unpacked boxes and worked with labels and just packed shit up. And I asked for advice from a couple Psalms in the city about what to do. And they said, go to New York and go to school. So I dropped everything. I packed my shit up. I moved back home to Brooklyn and I started going to school. And then I went to the American Sommelier Association. I got my first certificate in the foundations of wine and beverage and spirits and then I got my viticulture and vinification certificate. Um, and then I did quartermaster's certificate. And then I did the WSET uh, level two. And I am still learning. And uh, now I actually do some private events as well. So I do, like, if you have a party, you can hire a sommelier. Or I did an event at a local Caribbean spot here in Brooklyn. And it was, like, a grand opening situation. And... I provide the wine and I have all the guests taste and I do like a tasting. So instead of hiring like a clown to do balloons at your party, (laughs) and we taste a bunch of booze and I talk about it as like a monkey, like an entertainment, like show monkey for a little bit. That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, You are the busiest person we've ever had on here. She is, man. She's a hustler, dude. Oh my god, it's spinning now. It's crazy, right? I'm recycling old wine bottles and making candles now. I'm just fucking. I just fucking. I'm. I, I think it's my ADHD. <laughs> Slow the fuck down. The, the battery doesn't stop, man. Oh my I, God. I, need, I need some Adderall to calm me down. I definitely do. <laughs> no, you're you're perfect just the way you are. We love it. We love it. Um, can I can I ask you? And of course, of course, I'm sure you've been asked this more than any other question in your career. What's the most expensive thing that you've drank? Mm. Oh fuck! So the most expensive thing I drank was a bottle of champagne at the Playboy Club in Manhattan. However, I blacked out. I don't know what it was. I just remember, oh, man. I just remember the bill. Oh, what, is the, what was the bill? How much was it? 22000 something. Oof. What the fuck, man? Like 22699 or some, like, I don't know. It was, I know it was in the, like, 20s. Damn. Jeez. Do you remember what it tastes like? No. The tip was baller, though. It was like, I don't remember. It was like, a, I don't know, silver? There were a couple silver ones? I'm not sure. I was drunk <laughs> as fuck. Wow. Honestly, so, I'm going to be completely honest. Most of my really interesting and like esoteric and beautiful and like live, laugh, love, you know, eat, what is it? Eat something, pray. Eat, pray, love. love. Eat, love, eat, and pray. pray, love stories. I'm yeah. fucking blacked out or really stoned. <laughs> like, but I'm having a great time, and I know I'm having a great time. So I really think that's all that matters. We that's can tell you're having a great time. time. Yeah, that's yeah. all that matters. Um, maybe you can help people like me and Tyler and many of our audience that are listening. We have almost zero knowledge. So if you're going to a place, what would be your go-to red wine, and what would be your go-to white wine? Oh shit! I did not be tested here. Okay, so it depends on everything. This is such a broad question. Do we know where we're going? Do we know what we're eating? Is it just across the board? So, so me and you got invited to Tyler's house for his birthday. What are we bringing? What the? What's Tyler cooking? Oh, uh, well, there's Tyler's gonna be pizza. Uh, grub hubbing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, what are you grub hubbing, Tyler? Let's go with some uh, some nice steaks, some fillets. Oh, some fillets. 
Are we getting anything with the fillets, or are we just eating straight steak? <laughs> That's not just, just, just having situation. some shitty steak. It sounds like a beer situation. So what are we okay, getting well, besides? What about, like, fish? Maybe, like, a nice, you know, Ooh, like a bronzino? Sure. What, what that is. <laughs> That's a fish, man. It's yeah, not the wine. Bronzino. It's a, it's a fish. We, have, we had a cool dish at one of the restaurants. We wrapped it in, like, uh, banana leaves. It was yummy. Um, sounds expensive. I don't know. So like any white, yes, it is. Uh, so like any white flaky fish, anything like that. I mean, if you're doing it with something creamy, I always like to go like on the same edge, right? Like, so I'm a super big fan of really oaky buttery Chardonnays, which I swear to God, if any sommelier is listening to this right now, close your fucking ears. It's not even <laughs> business, but I like them. <laughs> But if I drink a wine that tastes like popcorn, I'm so fucking into it. Um, so we have this really amazing option that's not as kind of classless as an Oprah Oak Chardonnay, if you want to be bougie. Um, so it's an Assertico from Greece. So Assertico is this really beautiful white grape that can really taste like a Chardonnay and have a really beautiful body, um, which also I love putting white wines with steak because the juxtaposition of flavors is really beautiful. Um, so if you got, grow in a Sertico in Greece because it's so hot, it creates a really interesting flavor profile that's similar to Chardonnay but a little more acidic, which makes it really bright. Um, but if you hit it with some oak, you get this kind of like honeysuckle, custardy, buttery flavor. That nice. is a really like rare-ass, sweaty, like juicy steak would be bomb as fuck. Or that could also go with the fish. So this kind of wine can go with both of your fucking meal options. Damn. Please say you say bum as fuck when you're doing this. Um, sometimes depending <laughs> on the table, like if they're super, super chill and they realize that like I really know what the fuck I'm talking about, I just also am from like a really shitty part of Jersey. Like they need to understand that I don't always have the vocabulary to back up my education. <laughs> you're doing just fine. Uh, <laughs> I I want to ask you a question. In the last three minutes, you've said more words that Eric and I have never heard before. So you're doing just yeah. fine. Yeah. I didn't know there was popcorn tasting wine. What? Oh, shit. We have – I have to – I think I'm coming to visit LA for my birthday since I don't – I was going to go to Sri Lanka, but I was like, you know what? COVID is getting really shitty again. So, you know, I can put a pin in Sri Lanka and go for my 30th. So I think I'm just going to go to LA for a week because I have – my friend, my early mentor, uh, I want to catch up with. We want to catch up with each other. Um, from LA I haven't seen her since I started my wine career like we've kind of been following each other's wine careers and we're both super excited for each other because it's fucking women supporting women and she was there for me as I went through like my divorce and things like that so I think I'm gonna come to LA so I guess me you and Tyler are gonna have to go have some fucking wine tastings let's do it let's do it I mean Um, I will bring a 12 pack of fucking wine to your house and we will drink every bottle over a second it's happening (laughs) (laughs) So I, I want to ask you a question, and and as a psalm, I hope you don't say that this is blasphemy. But is cheap wine okay? Also, like, would always. you you would 100%. would you drink a boxed wine? Always, 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 fucking always, dude. I remember when I would go to restaurants and I'd feel so embarrassed, like eating a wine list because some middle aged receding hairline white man would be would turn his nose up at me because I didn't understand what the fuck a blanc de blanc was. And mm. that's shitty, right? So when I get in the industry, I'm like, this should be this shouldn't be bougie. This shouldn't have to do with money. Like I am personally my personality, I am bougie, like personally on the inside. 
I'm super bougie. I like bougie shit. Uh, I like to do bougie things, and my palette is really bougie. I like expensive things. I like expensive experiences. However, I also like super down-to-earth and super gritty experiences. And my whole thing and what I've been saying since my very first interview as a sommelier is you can literally be drinking a $5,000 Barolo like in Italy or a five ninety nine dollars box wine on a rooftop in Brooklyn and if you're drinking it with someone that you love that's the better tasting wine that's awesome beautiful that's awesome um when I was when I was looking up uh uh Psalm and sommelier just just facts about it so I I saw that that it's not just wines you also are versed in spirits as well so you you know liquor as well right yeah so part of the especially WSET program and the American Sommelier Association program, and also Quartermasters, honestly, all three of them, um, you always have to have a basic knowledge of liquor, uh, how it's made, what it is, um, sakes, sojus, um, like different Japanese spirits as well, um, beers and um, ciders. So some of them are explored more than others. Um, I'm just personally a huge fan of scotch, so I explore that a little bit more on my personal time, more than other <laughs> ones. Um, but yeah, Not like, just professionally. Spirits, like, spirits, it comes down to your education, but like, so I know way more about Pisco and Singani than I do about scotch and like vodka because i work in a peruvian japanese establishment and pisco is a peruvian mm. drink and like japanese are known for their whiskeys uh so like it also depends on what your job is right so you have to be very careful about staying in the same kind of job for too long because then you really only know one thing right you really only are focused on like certain regions of wine and certain type of liquors. So it's kind of, you want to make sure you have an encompassing experience with every region. Like my fr French wine history sucks dick. Like I would be so embarrassed if I got interviewed right now, but I could tell you what Bolivia's wine country is called, you know? So it's really, you have to be careful and you have to keep moving in the industry and making sure that you kind of check off all the boxes. If you want to do what I want to do, which is kind of live all over the world. So, so what would you say is your expertise? Like, what do you know forward and back that, that you know better than anyone else and you will ace the test with a 100% score right now? Uh-oh. Pisco. Oh. Pisco? Pisco is a, is a Peruvian distilled spirit from grapes. Uh, I actually know the most of that. It's really funny that it's not a wine that I'm choosing, but... <laughs> Pisco really fascinates me, and when I was traveling in Peru, I was fascinated about it. And when I traveled to Bolivia, and I realized that they have something called Singani, which is also distilled spirit from grapes, but it's not Pisco. And if you go to Peru and you call it Singani, and if you go to Bolivia and call it Pisco, it's a huge cultural clash. Um, so I got very interested in the difference of spirits and how they affected cultures across borders. Um, so Pisco has always fascinated me. Um, and I think I could out talk most Psalms, at least on my level about Pisco. Okay. And then you were, you mentioned beer also. That's Tyler's blood type is beer. What, what mm -hmm. would you, what would you say is your favorite beer? If you go Guinness. to a restaurant, what's your go-to? Uh, the only Guinness? beer Guinness. I will ever drink is Guinness. 
I hate beer. Right. I hate it. I'm sorry. Tyler. Me too. It's so gross. Like, I like a good sour beer, but or like maybe a good cider. But the only beer that I, for a fact, can say I think is the most exquisite is fucking Guinness. Interesting. It's so heavy. I love it. It's like a milkshake. It, it's thick, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a thick beer. Um. Okay, and then follow up question. Tyler's a whiskey man. What's your go to whiskey? Oh wait, can we take a little? Elevated step here and go to scotch. Oh, okay. Tyler, are you okay? Tyler, can you take a scotch wreck? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little wait. nervous now. Why are you nervous? Why are you nervous? I, I don't know what you're going to throw out. There's going to be some fancy words and prices and all that. I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, okay, wait. What kind of whiskey do you drink? Uh, I mean, of course, there's uh, Jameson, which I guess is the middle ground. I drink the cheap stuff, Cuddy Sark. Jameson is the middle ground for you. What is it? Jameson? Well, I'm talking talking flavor-wise. Do you like... Okay, Jameson is just its fucking own goddamn animal. Like, do you like it smoky? Do you like it sweet? Do you like it Jameson? Just just normal. I don't... I'm not a flavor person (laughs) for fucking anything. Why are you drinking whiskey then, Tyler? I like the general taste of it. Okay, I think you would go really well with Hibiki Harmony. Is that a Japanese? It's Japanese whiskey. Okay. Tyler, I'm going to get you a bottle of that, Tyler. Well, yeah, okay, so now how much is a bottle of that? Uh, I don't know, maybe like $60? That'll work. Yep. Yeah, that'll work, Tyler. That'll work for you. Maybe a little um, more, but it can't be that much. It's under 100 so, okay. so someone that wants to become a sommelier, what, what would you say to them? If someone came to you and said, hey, man, I, I, I need to know what the ABCs are, what would you tell them? Oh, shit. I would tell them to, I mean, if they're paying their way through school, they should keep whatever job is supporting them or whatever makes the most money because you'll make less if you don't know as much and you just jump into the wine industry. I would say go to school first. It's kind of backwards than a lot of other industry jobs. Most industry jobs, like, it's like, great, you went to culinary school. Great, you went to bartending school. But that doesn't mean shit unless you can work in this restaurant. But wine is a little different because you need to have that history. You need to have that foundation. Um, and you need to have the knowledge before you even step into it or else you're just going to be kind of dead weight. Um, so I would say school is your priority. So finish your school, get certified, I mean, like I said, I would get certified through the quartermasters because they're kind of the world standard. It just sucks that they're fucking very male, white driven. Um, And then definitely go to a secondary school like WSET or ASA to get actual learning done. So WSET is good for tasting wines. Like I never knew how to tell the difference between an old world and new world wine by taste until I did WSET. Now I could tell you if something was like, France or Spain or California or Chile, like I just by tasting it. And that was just that's amazing going through WSET. Um, and then ASA is perfect if you want like a longer college like program. Um, but your education is your number one. Once you get your education, you can get an assistant sommelier job um, or like a captain job that shadows a sommelier kind of as a seller wrap for a little while or a couple shifts. Um, and then just working in the industry, you know, it's really all it takes is eventually you just have to fucking be thrown into a wine list or build your own. Um, that was my experience when I became the sommelier at Lamasan. Um, I started from scratch. I was the only som, and, you know, myself and the wine director built a list. So um, after education, you can kind of just jump into the field. But the school is the most expensive and most important 
or in part. And it how, how much is that education? Um, I mean, ballpark in total, including everything, like all three of them. I I've probably spent at least twenty, thirty thousand dollars on my education. That's not horrible. All right. Yeah. That's not horrible because it is a lucrative career afterwards, I right? Mean, yeah, afterwards. You just have to, you know, get through it. You know, it's not yeah, like you're not going to go your college. But, you know, as someone who's been a waitress her whole life, that was fucking a lot of fucking money I put into this. Yeah. Is this a, no, like, sure. a, do, is this a, like a profession that you get tipped for too? Or how does that work? It depends on the situation. Um, I legally can't make tips because I'm also a salaried uh, assistant general manager. Mm. Um, So as being a salaried AGM, you cannot be involved in the tip pool. Um, But there are some some situations where you get a stipend or you get a certain amount of money and then you also do get tips as well. Okay. So, So if you can, just to make me and Tyler look cool. So we're at a rooftop bar. What's a good sipping wine? That we don't look like fools. Like we can't just say, "Hey, give us whatever's in the box." Like what? What? What would make us sound sophisticated? And it would be a good sipping wine. Mm. You should rooftop bar to you know pass some time. Are you? You're at a rooftop bar in LA, and you want a good wine to sip on. Yep. I would honestly order a Cinso. Since okay. Are you gonna write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. I've been writing down everything you've said, man. I'm. I have a book. I'm gonna it's write so about you after this. I n s a u l t. Since so. Is this a red or a white? It's a red. It's a red. Okay. It's like a light to medium red, but it's tasty enough where it's similar to like a Pinot Noir and like super food friendly and like you can just be sipping it on a roof and like. You're not going to send it back, and it's nothing that is, like, crazy over, like, complicated, but it's delicious, uh, and you can't really go wrong with it, I feel like, since it was always really done right by me, um, but it's also not super expensive, but also an obscure grape for people who aren't in the industry, so you'll look super cool. Nice. Nice. Rachel, you're you're the coolest person we've had on, like, hands down. Tyler, do you have any other questions? Uh, n- no, I like you. I've been like viciously taking notes here. <laughs> like, yeah, our our book on Rachel is gonna come out, you know, uh, towards the end oh of this my. year. The, the book that Tyler and I are writing about her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, was there was there anything else that you wanted to, you know, just to mention while we have you on here? Was there anything else? Um, not really. I really just wanted to thank you guys for having me on here and really just letting me kind of talk about the two very interesting industries that I've worked in and the kind of juxtaposition between talking about having dicks in my ass and, you know, not eating, you know, salsa before an anal shoe and talking about (laughs) the the Canary Islands and wine and being, you know, one of the highest paid, you know, restaurant industry employees in the industry. So it's been very interesting, and um, yes. sometimes I forget how grateful I should be of this life and how far I've come from, you know, getting clean and getting divorced and going through these, you know, very tre- troubling areas of my life to really coming out on top at this point. Um, so I've actually am very grateful for this interview because it's really given me a lot of insight. Um, the only thing I really have to say is if there is anybody out there who is feeling sad or depressed, um, that there is help available and you should absolutely look into it. Um, 
you know, this is like just kind of out of left field, but most people who follow me know that I do a lot with mental health. So when I spoke earlier mm -hmm. about sex performers or adult performers or sex workers feeling kind of overwhelmed, just know um, that there's always a hotline available, which is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. Um, that's the suicide hotline. Just know that um, I have jumped between these two industries, one where it's very, very prevalent of mental health issues and self-harm in the sex industry, but also then I hopped over to the restaurant industry, which is also prevalent with a lot of drugs and a lot of um, – self-harm and a lot of really dangerous kind of coping mechanisms to work 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, so both industries I've been in are really horrible for people, especially that struggle with mental health, which I kind of question why I'm in these industries um, <laughs> because I'm fucking mentally ill and they're very difficult to traverse. Uh, on It's own. masochism. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's masochism. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's very, very difficult. But I also know as a neurodivergent person in a nine to five, I'd fucking lose my mind. Like, so <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, I do truly enjoy what I do now. But anybody that, you know, is struggling with anything, they should really definitely reach out. Um, it's really important to just get past that point of feeling super, super down. I was released from the mental hospital the first week of January uh, because I tried to hang myself. So I'm on like this rampage now to really remind people that you get, I've, it's been a month now since I've survived. So yeah. I'm really trying to remind people that it doesn't matter how shitty it gets. Like someone will always be there. You know, even me, someone who thought they were completely alone was saved and you know, now I'm alive to be able to be on this interview to be able to bring insight to two different industries to people. So just discussing mental health whenever I have a public platform is super important to me. So I had to throw that out there. Well, thank, thank you. you so thank much. you for thank being able to share that. And yes, it is very important. But so, so thank you for bringing that up. And and if I could just say something on our pussy conversation. No, 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 bummer at all. I I have the perfect thing for it. This crazy bitch, you fucked up the dick jokes. It's a roller coaster with you. No, honestly, Tyler. Um, I just I just want to say, and I don't want to I don't want to butter you up or or you know rose your cheeks too much. Yeah, right. I'm a rock Leo. You have no idea. No, but I, I've known you for years and years, and I just want to say, like, you're you're for real, and I say this to everyone I, I ever get the opportunity to talk to you about. I tell them how cool you are and how you always, always use your platform for good and how you're always doing something awesome and amazing. And what I really envy, and this is something I was thinking about today as I was hyping myself up to talk to you, because I was, I was nervous. We haven't talked in a while, Ooh. and I was, like, telling Tyler. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, she's coming on. You know, I was... <laughs> really excited about it. But um, I just want to say the relationship that you have with yourself is something I, I truly envy because you're you're very aware and you've always looked to me um, as someone who's very aware of who they are, mm -hmm. how they feel, and what they need to make themselves the best version of themselves in whatever situation they're in. And that's, again, I don't want to darken the situation. That was through your divorce. That was through the struggles you had. That was through moving that was through, um, we didn't even talk about this. Tyler, she stepped out onto the fucking sidewalk in New York <laughs> and uh -oh. broke in half. Like, she, Tyler, she broke her fucking <laughs> leg in half, dude. What? Yeah. yeah. Stepping on the sidewalk? February, February 8th, 2021, I was going to get vaccinated. I stepped onto black ice getting into my Uber in Brooklyn, and I snapped both my leg bones in half. 
what the f- fuck? So, so just seeing seeing the bounce back that you do time and time and time like, again, I can and trademark and, bounce backs at this point. You really could like that word. <laughs> if someone looks up bounce back, you get to see a picture of Rachel in the dictionary now. No, Eric, it feels so good to hear that. Honestly, I was tearing up as you were saying that. You know, it I, it just feels really really nice to hear it. Um, and I get like, I mean, most like it's a running joke with my friends, like that I'm super klutzy and I'm a fucking like, hot mess and like all this shit. But like everything you're right, everything I do do is to better myself because, yeah. you know, being authentic is super important to me. But also taking care of me is really important to me because for most of my childhood, I was really put into a box and told kind of who to be and what to be. And slowly as I start to unravel this bullshit as I'm now coming up onto my 29th birthday in March, you know, authenticity and being authentic to myself, fuck everyone else is really kind of the motto um, yeah. without becoming jaded. Uh, even though I think 2022 is going to be my villain era. I've been nice for a little too long. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go real fucking like Catwoman on this bullshit. Perfect. Well, we got to we'll have be, you. The, we'll be, be there for it. Yeah, we got to be there for 2023. We can get and see your rap sheet at that point. Yeah, like we'll just do the we'll do the rap sheet. Like I feel like I'm just gonna pull like a pretty woman situation. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck some shit up this year. Well, we 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 really 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 hope to have you back on again and just shoot this shit with you. We could have a freestyle episode. We do those every now and then and just just bullshit. Oh my with god, you. it just, would last for fucking hour. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make the time for you. We promise. If you promise to come back, we promise we'll have the time for you. This was this was fucking amazing. You guys are super rad. I can't wait to get together when I come to LA. Probably in March. Definitely. Awesome. Definitely. We'll look forward to that. And the last question that we ask every single person, uh, Rachel, what is your song of the day today? My song of the day? Oh, shit. I do. I have one. I fucking have. I've been playing on repeat since I've been smoking since I got home. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, how? What? Do I really love this song that much? All right. The song of the day is Trust Nobody by Hippie Sabotage. I love Hippie Sabotage. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Tyler, what about you, man? What's your song of the day? Uh, uh, Boom Boom by Jenny Lee. All right. And I will take Days and Confused by Led Zeppelin. Nice. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, Rachel, um, anyone that's looking to follow you or find you on Instagram and stalk you, uh, where do they look? How do they find you? Back. So all my social media... Oh, excuse me, champagne, shit. All my social media <laughs> is at Rachel Midori. I spell Rachel differently and Midori differently. So it's at R-A-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-D-O-R-I. Um, and then my website is www.rachelmidori.com. And uh, yeah, that's... Oh, and if you want to fucking see my Snapchats, I don't really use Snapchat. I'm almost 30, so I don't really know how to use this shit. But I do know <laughs> that people watch my stories when I do post shit. And Snapchat is where, like, I post, like, this is where it looks like I'm, like, a 50-year-old grandma using a phone. I'm just like, oh, my God, a plant. Like, it's stupid. My Snapchat is A-E-L-K-A-L. Um, so figure that out um, if you ever want to see me really slipping up. But besides that... I'm mostly on Instagram. Awesome. Gotcha. Awesome. Thank you. So. 
Thank okay. you so much for, for your time and for, for coming on and for being as busy as you are and still making time for, for your two biggest fans in, in Los Angeles and possibly the world. For real, you guys are fucking amazing. I mean, I, Thank miss, you. You know, I, miss, I mean, I miss you, Eric, so much. Tyler, I'll fucking meet you when I get out there. This was, this was really cool. I'm super excited to listen to the episode. Definitely. Thank you so, Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you for coming. For real. All right.